0: Amen. Thank you, Callie. That is the blessed hope tonight, isn't it? That the Lord Jesus Christ will come again, and I believe it can be very, very soon. Turn to your Bibles tonight, if you would, please. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Please pray for Cody. He had a stroke when I said he would be singing the the solo, but we're glad that he is recovering over here on this side. I I scared him a little bit. I saw him turn white. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. Acts chapter 2, verse 4. You thought you had a stroke. You should seen Brother Judge back there. He nearly fell off his stool. Acts chapter 2. And uh, we're glad that you're here tonight. And I hope that you've been tuning in and being a part of our services. And uh, Lord, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't like it. I don't like not having people here. I feel cumbered. Uh, It's so difficult to even just talk, especially a little easier now. But when when we're singing, there's nobody up here except for my wife and and Brother Judge in the back. And and he never listens to me anyway. So it's, it's difficult just to kind of ad lib and do those things. And we miss... The fellowship of God's people. And even when you're in the pew, we fellowship back and forth, encouraging and exhorting one another and helping one another. And uh, I miss it. And so I'm going to ask you tonight, would you really pray that, that God would, would change all of this very, very soon? And I, I think if we're being honest, we know uh, the government already knows they're not going to let us go back very soon. Uh, they've got a lot more data than we do, and we can see What's going on in our society. And so if anything is to change, it has to be by the hand of God. And so let's pray. Let's take our petitions to the Lord and trust him. And uh, that doesn't mean we can uh, have a a reason to backslide or to fall away in any way. We still are responsible for our walk with God. And there are resources available to help us. And so let's take advantage of those things and be faithful to the Lord. Acts chapter 2 tonight. With the Lord's help, I'd like to preach a message entitled, Be the Church. And I mentioned in this morning's service that I uh, hope that you watch this morning, uh, that uh, this will just be an introductory message. By no means will I be able to out- lay out all the doctrines of the church in one night. And that's, that's not necessarily the purpose of this theme anyway. Uh, the theme is more about us being the church. What are we to be uh, to one another? What are we to be to a lost and dying community? And so let's have a look tonight and at the mission of the church. I'm going to give you a word later on, and I want you to memorize it. I want you to think about it. Maybe write it in the margin of your Bible. Acts chapter 2 is a great place to write this word down, and we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, don't get ahead of me, because you're going to hear it throughout the year. And uh, so let's look tonight, Acts chapter two. At the end of the chapter, of course, Acts chapter two is the day of Pentecost. All right. A lot of times we will read the Bible and we will read uh, through passages of Scripture that uh, that take several years. Even you'll read a, a passage out of the book of Acts later on, and you'll find that Paul is in several cities, and we know that by traveling by foot and by ship. Several months have passed in just 10 or 12 verses, but Acts chapter 2, all 47 verses took place on one day, the day of Pentecost, and 3,000 people were saved on that day. Isn't that a miraculous day? As Peter preached, filled with the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Spirit came and empowered the church on that day, and thousands were saved and baptized and added to the church, and so if we're going to talk about what the church is and how we are to be the church, this is a good place to start in Acts chapter 2, so let's look together at verse 41. Then they, <clears throat> then they that gladly received the word were baptized, and the same day there were, about, there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfast in the apostles' doctrine, and fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles." Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We pray that you'd help us understand this theme for the year of Be the Church. Lord, I I believe that in God's local church, there are some people that are just aching to do something. And I pray, Lord, that you'd inspire them. Lord, they don't necessarily need somebody to say, this is what you should go and do tomorrow, but rather that the Holy Spirit of God would lead them to be a blessing and a help to someone. Father, there are others in the church that are in need to do something. They need to get up. They need to move. And I pray that the Word of God would help us, that it would inspire us, that it would encourage us to do more for Christ than we've ever done before. Lord, I suppose that every, every church, every pastor at some point has said that we are living in strange days. And in fact, we are. But Lord, we have no excuse not to obey the Bible. And so we must be the church. Father, I need your help. Fill me with thy Holy Spirit, I pray. And Father, I pray the that you would communicate the truths of Scripture tonight. And Lord, we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. The first time we read the word church in the Bible is in Matthew chapter 16. It's no surprise that it was the Lord Jesus Christ that said it. Peter had just come back from a missionary trip with all the other disciples and they had been healing the sick and casting out demons. And Peter said, uh, even the the demons are subject to thy name. And then Peter began to tell Jesus, he says, well, some say that you're Elias and some say you're John the Baptist, come back from the dead. And Jesus looked at Peter and says, but Peter, who do you say that I am? That's all that really matters. He said, I believe that thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said that phrase to Peter. He says, upon this rock, the truth of that statement, I will build my church. Now, somebody out there tonight might say, well, the church in the Bible, the the word church comes from the Greek word ekklesia. And you're right. Right? And you might say, well, the word ecclesia means an assembly. And of course, that's what a church is it is a, an assembly. And so you might say, well, perhaps the word ecclesia appeared before that in the Bible. Uh, I'm here to tell you this that uh, about 115 times we see the word ecclesia in the Bible, 112 of those are church, and only three times are they used as the word assembly, twice in the book of Acts and one in Revelation. So this is the very first time. The word is used. The Lord Jesus Christ says, I will build my church. Now, I, I, I maybe take exception a little bit. Sometimes people like to argue and say, well, come on, you know the church isn't the building, it's, it's the people. But understand this, English is also a changing language. And for today's society, we, we look at, uh, the, use the word in different ways. And I think that's okay as long as we don't lose sight of what a biblical church is. There is a Bible definition, then there's a dictionary definition or an English definition of the word. And we use those things interchangeably. And you are guilty of it as well. A lot of times, we say we are going to church and in our hearts we know that we're going to meet with a group of people and there we will be the assembly of God we will gather together and we will have a service together a time of worship and a time of preaching and so we understand that but sometimes we say well I was over at the church and we mean the building that's just a common vernacular, isn't it, for today? We'd say, well, this is the church building. This is the church. And if you, were to, if you were to talk to somebody in the society and they'd say, well, where is your church? You would say, well, it's out on Highway 3 East. But that's not really where the church is, is it? That's where the church assembles. That's where we gather for worship and for preaching That's where we have our master clubs and our Sunday school and our ministries that take place, our our senior's coffee hour and all the rest. It takes place here at this property here. But uh, it's really not accurate to say it's the church, but in modern English, it is. So in other words, sometimes when we think of the word church, it refers to a building and so it is a place to go. Sometimes the word church refers to a service. Somebody might say to me, if I meet him in the community, he say, well, what time is church? What time are you having church? And we use it as if it's a, it's a service. Well, we, we might go to a, a, a something and, and call it something, but uh, that doesn't make a lot of sense always. But we might come to a here and say, well, we had church. We had church. Can you have church? Or do you gather with the church? So in other words, sometimes we say we have a church service or we had church, and it it refers to something we do. So we we can call the word church and say it's a place we go, or we can use the word church, and it refers to something we do. And the Bible definition, though, of the word church, listen, is something we are. That's the difference. Often we say, well, it's a place we go or it's something we do, but really the biblical definition is It is something we are. That's simply our theme for this year. And you say, Well, praise the Lord, he's done preaching. No, I'm not. But we need to get into our minds that we are to be the church. It is something that we are to function as, it is something that we are. The the Bible definition of the word church is something that we are. We, as the church, listen, are the body of Christ. And Therefore, the mission of the body should to flow from the very mind of Christ. Think about that. I, I'm up here and I'm flailing my arms around and I'm not even thinking necessarily what am i doing, but every motion of my body comes from my mind. It has to start there and it communicates through my nervous system and it goes out through my nerves and it moves my fingers, my hands, and it's interesting. You don't even have to say, okay, hand move, but I can move it without really even thinking about it. But it all originates in my mind. The Bible says the church is the body of Christ in 1 Corinthians. We are the body of Christ. But Jesus Christ is the very mind of that body. He is the head of all things pertaining unto the church. The church has been placed under the headship and the leadership of Jesus Christ. And we are to move as his mind tells us. We are his body. So where does it all start? Turn, if you will, to Acts chapter 2. Look at verse 41. I want to say just three things tonight. We're gonna we're gonna explore this from time to time throughout the year. We will attach different projects to it as we go. We will adapt to the changing society that is around us to how can we best accomplish this mission of being the church. But I want to say first of all tonight we need to become motivated. We need to become motivated. And I, I could have said some other things first, and I might have put this in a different order and, and, and talk about some of the other points first and at the end say, well, listen, we need to motivate ourselves to do those things. But here, here's the thing. It is a non-starter if we are not properly motivated. Unless we have a vision and a burden from the Lord, unless we have something in our heart that causes us desire to go forth. You know, the Bible says this, we loved him because he first loved us. Therefore, there's a reciprocal uh, relationship going on in our lives right now. And God is putting something in our hearts and something to inspire us. But let's be very honest, for some of us, our hearts have gone cold. We're not doing the things we used to do for the Lord Jesus Christ. We can sing that chorus, the things I used to do, don't do them anymore. But it's actually we're going in the wrong direction. We're not, we're not serving like we once did. We're not behaving like we once did. And I just want to encourage you tonight, I'm not pointing the finger at anybody. I want you to examine your own heart and ask yourself, are, am I doing those things that I used to do? And maybe the reason we aren't doing it is because we're not properly motivated. And, and you just say, well, I blame the pastor. I think maybe if he preached a little different or if he addressed this sometimes or if he poked in this direction or if he talked about my favorite ministry from the pulpit or if he did this or that, then maybe I'd be motivated or I, I blame my Sunday school teacher because they don't organize in a certain way, and I would like if they would organize an activity that would allow us to serve in, and, and we blame a lot of things, but here's the thing, folks: if our motivation doesn't come from Jesus Christ, we're not going to do anything anyway. We're not going to have the proper success. We're not going to be spirit-filled. We're not going to pray over something that is man-centered, but instead, we will go in the flesh and we will fail. And it'll come to naught. So how do we find our motivation? Look at Acts chapter two in this early church. The Bible says in verse forty-one that they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about three thousand souls. And they, those three thousand that just got saved, listen. I, I, I just thought about this, but sometimes we're so afraid. Somebody gets saved, and say, "Well, when are they getting baptized?" We're afraid to approach them. We don't want to scare them away. We said, well, listen, let's give him some time. Let's, let's preach a little bit. Let the Holy Spirit work. And I'm all for the Holy Spirit doing a work in a life. Don't get me wrong. But these 3,000 got baptized the same day. They didn't wait. I had a fellow in Hamilton one time come to me, and we were baptizing somebody. And he came, and he, he says to me, he was a youth pastor in a, in a Baptist church in, in Toronto. And he came come to visit a cousin there. And he came to me, and he says, now, this guy that got baptized, have you discipled him? Have you done this? Have you done that? Have you taken him through a course? I said, well, he got saved and he understands why he needs to be baptized. I said, because the Bible says that they got saved and they got baptized. Then they were added unto the church. And isn't the church the pillar and the ground of truth? Isn't that where we receive teaching from God's word? Isn't that where we learn the word of God as we join ourselves? The Bible says they were baptized and then they continued in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. And so let's, let's make sure we get the cart back behind the horse where it belongs. And so we see in verse 41 and verse two, 42, you see, what's this got to be, do with being motivated? Here's how we become motivated. Number one, through following Christ. Through following Christ. Obedience. Obedience. Do you know the Lord uses people who are obedient? He puts his spirit in those people that are willing to follow him and serve him. And, he, he, and he, he gives you that vision and that heart and that burden. He gives it to obedient people. And the Bible says that these people notice that they that how they followed Christ. They were, they received his word and then they were baptized. They followed in believers' baptism. Then they joined the Lord's church. I, I've had people say, Well, I just I want to do something for God. And I'll say, Well, have you been baptized? Well, you know, not yet. Have you joined a local church? Are you underneath a pastor? Are you underneath Bible preaching? Or, listen, if, if God's local church is his plan for this day and age, it makes sense that his programs will go through the local church. And so I'm just saying that these people were used of God and they were understood what the church was because they were they followed in baptism and then they joined the local church. And then it says they followed in discipleship and growth. Notice what it says. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. They had a hunger to learn and a hunger to grow. And from that, listen, thousands of people, and yet the Bible only mentions a few. We could read the rest of the entire New Testament and you would only find a handful of names. 3,000 saved here. 5,000 saved later on. Thousands saved throughout Asia Minor and into all the places that the Apostle Paul went. Thousands and thousands of people saved. The gospel exploded. But only a few names are in the Bible. So what's your point? These people didn't follow Christ for fame. They followed Christ because it was right just to be obedient to the Lord. That was enough for their motivation. We just want to obey God. I want you to notice, secondly, they were motivated through fellowship in Christ. Notice what the Bible says in verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. The fellowship there, we read more about it. It says, in breaking in bread and in prayers. They fellowshiped together around the Lord's table. They fellowshiped in prayer together. That's one of the best fellowship you can have is praying, encouraging one another, helping one another. Pastor Barry Rutherford is a friend of mine. He got saved here at Bethel Baptist Church when he was about 19 years old. And he told me this one time. He says, you know, he says, back then we didn't emphasize discipleship all that much. he says, I didn't have somebody sit down with me and take me through a a 26-week program through the Bible and help me understand all the basic doctrines of the faith. He said, I didn't have that. He said, what I had was on a Friday night, he says, I'd have some of the guys call me and say, hey, we're going to go bowling tonight with the church group. Do you want to come? He says, I had guys that said, hey, we're we're having a, a, a Sunday school. We need you to come. Why don't you come to Sunday school with us? We saw you in church. Come to Sunday school. I had guys on nights where I wanted to go out and, and have a drink or I wanted to go out and party with friends that would call me and say, Hey, listen, we're just going over to somebody's house to hang out and we're going to, we're going to fellowship together. And he says, that fellowship and that time just with God's people, he says, that helped me stay away from a lot of things. And he says, eventually I became rooted in the church. And friends, don't discount fellowship. We need a fellowship in Christ. And that's why this time is so hard for so many. They need you to be calling them and encouraging them and helping them during this time. And, and listen, you say, How, what, what what are you talking about? We're talking about being Motivated. Listen, as we we understand, as we follow Christ in obedience, that ought to motivate us. I I don't want to disappoint Christ. I don't want to disappoint the God that saved me, the one that died on the cross. I want to be obedient to him. And secondly, when we fellowship one with another, it strengthens our walk with God. It'll motivate you. You'll do more for Christ. Notice, I want you to notice in the uh, last part of that verse as we look at verse 42... And I want you to think about this. When he's talking about fellowship, they continue steadfastly in doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Let me ask you this. I think if I were to take a show of hands in this room of eight people tonight, we'd all say, Yeah, I, I need fellowship. I need fellowship. And if you're at home tonight, you would probably agree with me Yes, I need fellowship. Let me ask you this Do you offer fellowship? Do you offer fellowship? That's really where we get under conviction. What am I doing to encourage the ones in the church that seem like they have no friends? I was real blessed. A little while ago, we, we took a meal over to somebody, my wife and I, and, and uh, it's somebody in the church, I'm going to be honest with you, that doesn't have a lot of friends. As a matter of fact, they get talked about a little bit, made fun of. And we were just feeling bad, so we took a meal over to them and thought, you know, they they need some encouragement. It's Christmas time too. And the person said to me, Hey, this is the second meal I got tonight. Bob and Donna Simmons brought me one too. I thought, praise the Lord. What a blessing. And somebody is thinking about this person that needs fellowship, that just need a little encouragement. You know, you need to be that for somebody. Several years ago, there's a fellow in the church in Hamilton, his name I won't give his name in case somebody's watching. He was just a dear fella, and he had this friend, and and uh, he had been married and divorced, and she had been married and divorced, and they had become friends at church, and they used to they travel back and forth to church together. They didn't live together; they just they just did activities together. They'd go shopping or whatever they needed, and but she treated him horribly. It was just a terrible scene. I mean, embarrass him publicly. And and yell at him publicly. Right in the church house in front of anybody. She didn't have any social cues, it didn't seem. One day we were grabbing a coffee and I said, I've been, been bothered. I wanted to talk to you about something. I said, This this friend of yours, you know, she doesn't treat you very well. And I said, It just it just bothers me. I said, Would you like me to speak to her? And he said this. He said, Pastor, he says, She needs a friend. He says, she would like to get married, but he says, I don't want to get married. She has her house. I have my house. And he says, but God put it upon my heart that nobody is a friend to her. And he says, if that is my ministry, that is what I'll do. I'll be her friend. Boy, that humbled me. I thought, am I offering fellowship to other people? Because when we fellowship with the saints, it motivates us to do more for Christ. We want to work alongside people. We want to catch their vision. We want to do more for God. And so we need to become motivated. Notice the third thing. Uh, How how do we become motivated? Through fearing Christ. The world doesn't have a healthy fear of God anymore. I remember as a little boy uh, over at 154 Maple Street, uh, coming out of church one day, and somebody had taken a marker and written on, we had these big stained glass windows, and there was a white windowsill kind of a stone white windowsill and they'd taken a marker and they wrote on their holy rollers and I remember as a little boy nine or ten years old reading that and thinking why would they do that to the house of God and I thought lightning was going to strike their house that night and kill them all people don't fear doing anything like that anymore We've had our buses vandalized. We've had our property damaged. We've had people break into our building a couple times and steal things. But not only that, they take the name of the Lord our God in vain. His name is now a curse word. It's a byline. People don't even think about it anymore. They just say it. We need to have a healthy fear of Christ. Look what the Bible says in verse 43. 43, And fear came upon every soul. What happened? Well, they were obedient to God and they were just fellowshipping one with another. But the more they knew the Bible, the more fear they had for God. And because they feared God, they became a powerful people and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. So they fear God and and understand this, this is not being afraid of God. This is having a godly respect for the person of God. Having a godly respect for him. Look at chapter 5. There's more than that though. We need to have a godly respect for who God is, but we need to also have a godly respect for the power of God. In chapter 5, you'll remember the story, I'm not going to read it all, Ananias and Sapphira had conspired in their hearts to sin against God, and they sold a piece of land, and they gave the money to, or a portion of the money to their church, and they said, we gave everything. They lied, is what they did. Peter even said to them, wasn't it in your own power? Couldn't you have just given it? It would have been fine if you sold it and only gave half if you needed the other half. That had been okay, but you lied about it. The Bible says that Ananias dropped dead at the feet of the apostles. Verse 5, And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. Look what it says, and great fear came on all them that heard these things. The early church feared the person of God or had a healthy respect for the person of God, but they had a godly respect for the power of God, too. The judgment of God. That's another thing society doesn't fear anymore. You say, oh, no, I think they... No, no, listen, if they feared God, we wouldn't have such a thing as abortion. If they feared God, they would open up their Bibles and lead our country according to the word of God. There's no respect for God anymore, but a church ought to have fear, a fear of God. And listen, friends, when you, when you realize who God is, you start worshiping for who he is and have a godly respect for his person and have a godly respect for his power. Listen, the Bible says, Whom the Lord loveth he chasteneth." he is going to judge our sins. The Bible says it's time that judgment starts at the house of God. And if we can fear God, well, it'll motivate you to serve him because you'll want to do right. But here's the third thing we see in chapter 3. We're talking about being motivated. Number, th- number four is we need to focus on Christ, through focusing on Christ. In chapter 3, we read the story of Peter and John that went up to the temple of the gate called Beautiful, and there they met the lame man, and they said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have. Give I unto thee, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the man stood up, and he began to leap and praise God and went into the temple with him. And in verse 11, the Bible says this, As the layman which was healed told Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, "Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us, as though by our own power or holiness we had made this name to walk? The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus, whom ye delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But ye denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murder to be granted unto you and killed the Prince of Life, whom God hath raised up from the dead." Whereof we are witnesses, and his name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong, whom ye see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him his perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Listen, there are way too many man centered ministries today. If you're listening from another church, and your church all it does is glorify man, there's a problem. Peter and John had done this great miracle in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the people ran to them at Solomon's porch, and they began to worship them. They said, wait a minute, why are you looking at us like this? This is the work of Jesus. And they kept their focus on Christ. Listen, if you focus on man, you won't be motivated to serve God. But when you focus on the Lord Jesus Christ and see the great things that he can do, well, you'll just want more of it. Motivation for our mission comes from a healthy relationship with Christ, period. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, I can do all things how? Through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Listen, it, it, here, here's the first step. And if you don't get anything else out of this mission, me, message tonight, just take this first step. I need to get motivated. How do I do that? Work on your relationship with Christ. Be obedient, follow Him, be focused on Him, fearing Christ each and every day, knowing that He has the power over us. Paul traveled extensively preaching the gospel, but he also raised offerings for the relief of the impoverished saints at Jerusalem. He told the church at Corinth, as they were raising this offering and doing their best, and they actually failed. But he said, here's what you need to do. When you give this offering, you're proving the sincerity of your love. Not for the people that they'd never met, but for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we serve. That's what should motivate you. Focusing on Christ. So become motivated. Number two. And here's the word I was talking about earlier. Become missional. Missional. Become missional. That's a real word, by the way. I didn't make that up. It's been around for a while. Become missional. Write that word down in Acts chapter 2. Beside these verses at the end of the chapter there in verse 44. Write down the word missional. You're going to hear it. That means putting into action what we are. Being the church means we have a mission. And we need to put it into action. Now think about this. If we are his body, then his mission should be our mission. If we are his body, then his mission should be our mission. But the mission is not singular. And so let's look at uh, the last few verses of Acts chapter 2. Number one, we we need to have a mission to each other. And here's where a good balance comes in. When we're going to talk about being the church some churches are great assemblies in that you can go into that church as a born-again believer in Christ and you can have all the support that you need for everything. I mean, they might have a Reformers Unanimous program to help with with those who are struggling with addictions, drugs, alcohol, whatever. They may have a children's program for your family, a teen program for your young people, college or career program, an adult program. They may have everything you ever could think of. They might have a mom's time out on a Tuesday and a senior's program on a Thursday. They they just are feeding you and feeding you and feeding you. Whenever time of day you need something, you can get it. You can call the church, the pastor at any time, and no, you'll get an answer. Whatever it is you're looking for, you can find it. And yet they have zero outreach, zero missions program. And some churches are just the opposite. Everything is external, and there's nothing for the church people. And we need to have a good balance if we're going to be missional. So let's, let's first of all, we need to have a mission to each other. We need to be concerned about the internals of the church. In verse 44, the Bible says, "...and all that believed were together." They had a mission to each other. We've already read about fellowship and prayer and encouragement and worship. And now we see growth and support one for another. The Bible says in verse 44, and all that believed, look what it says, were together. That doesn't mean they lived in a commune. I actually heard that preached one time, Brother Cody, that they all lived together. They were just all kind of huddled in a mass and they were just never left the church house. And by the way, they didn't even have a church house. Notice what it says. They went to the temple, and then they went house to house. But the phrase house to house implies that they had houses. They don't live in a commune setting. The word together there in verse 44 means they had harmony. They were unified as a church. They didn't worry about things. And why? Because verse 44, and all that believed were together and had all things common. If I have it and you need it, you can have it. If I, can do that, if I can help you in some way, I'm going to help you. And they just had that attitude of, we're one family. One family doesn't keep one thing from another. You know, I was just, it just, just popped into my mind, and my daughter's going to kill me, but she often does. The other day, Beth was tidying up her room, and she came out with this basket. And she said, Dad, she says, uh, can you use any of these things? And she had about six charging blocks. You know I'm talking about? The USB charging blocks for your phone. She had about six of them in there. And then I think she had nine Apple lightning wires to charge up your, you know, your iPad or your phone. And my wife and I are always wondering where's our why are our wires are always gone they're gone we have one in the car and it's gone we have one in, over here beside the outlet where we where we charge our phone and it's gone and 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 then so every the last two Christmases I've got Amazon gift cards and I've ordered six wires each time in a bundle you know and I get then this year they were all gone so I ordered more here comes Beth with all these and I said Beth No wonder we can ever find them. You've got the whole, all of them that we've ever had in 20 years. You've got them all. But I didn't get mad because I realized we're a family. And if she needs something and I can help her with it, fine. Now, I wish she'd put it back or didn't have 10 of them in her room for one phone. But that's what a family does, right? And eventually she brought them back. Dad, I got, can you use these? And yeah, we could use these. I took one over to Frank. He needed one. And just, you know, that's what family is. And the Bible says they had all things common. They didn't mind sharing their things one with another. They wanted to be a help and a blessing one to another. So we need to have a focus on each other. If we're going to be missional, we need to take care. Listen, the world's not going to take care of you. They're not. You you try to go living on an unemployment check and paying your mortgage. The world is not going to take care of you. The government is not going to take care of you. But friend, if the house of God and the people of the church would take care of each other, we would never need anything from the government. Let's have a mission to each other. Let's support one another. Look at Acts chapter four, verse 32. Acts chapter four, verse 32. And the multitude of them that believed, listen, were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own. But they had all things common. Do you know that you'd be more apt to let little kids climb in with their dirty boots into your car if you said, Dylan, this this is God's car rather than my car? Sometimes you're like, well, I pick up kids for church, but my car is so nice and so clean. I don't want to put kids in my car. I take a load of kids to camp, but I don't want them wrecking my van. What if it was God's car? What if it was God's van? What if we would sacrifice those things that we think are ours and give them to God, that he could use them for his glory? We'd be able to help others a lot better, wouldn't we? If we're going to be missional, we have to have a mission to each other. Read on. And the multitude of them believed with one heart and one soul. Neither said any of them that all of the things which he possessed were his own. But they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace. Why did the church have power? Because nobody was tied to, to, to earthly things. The world didn't have a hold on them anymore. And God gave them power. Neither was there any among them that lacked. For as many as were possessor of lands or houses sold them and brought the price of the things that were sold. Laid them down the apostles' feet and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. I'm not saying go and sell all your things and bring me your money. Don't ever think that. I'm not asking you to give up your home I think the Jews lived in a very different time. The church was being persecuted and they were being driven out of Jerusalem so they sold their homes because they could no longer return to them. And they would give that money to help others who were also fleeing. But the point is this, the church loved one another. And they took care of one another's needs. But look back in Acts chapter 2, and verse 45, if we're going to be missional, we need to have a mission to each other, but we must also have a mission to every man. Notice what it says in verse 45, And they sold their possessions and goods and parted them to what? All men as every man had need. I don't believe it's just time with the local church there. You could have said they parted them to all the believers, they parted them to every church member. But it says they gave them to all men as every. Listen, the Christians weren't the only ones that were struggling under a Roman Empire, Jews were too. And I believe that this church said, we're not just going to help each other, we're going to help every man. To the best of our ability, we're going to reach out. People were getting, he said, how do you know this? Because the Bible says people were getting saved and added to the church daily. That doesn't happen unless you reach out. What was going on inside the confines of their little circle was somehow spilling out into the streets and people were hearing about the gospel and seeing the love and the unity of the church and people were getting saved because they were missional. They were reaching out to people so we must become missional. But thirdly, I want to look at Acts chapter 3 and say this finally tonight. We must become mobilized. We must become mobilized. Listen to this. And let this just think about this for a moment. A mission without action is only philosophy. A mission without action is only philosophy. When I was in Bible college, we had a class called Philosophy of Missions. And every Tuesday and Thursday, we get up at 7:30 and we'd go over to the mission center and we'd get into class at 7:30. And we would listen to Brother Lyles talk about the philosophy of missions. That was all fine and good. It was nice to learn about missions and what a missionary is and what we ought to do as missionaries. I I enjoyed the class, don't get me wrong. But it's no good if those students just went home and closed their books and did nothing. We have to be mobilized. You, it's not enough to say, well, we, we, you know, we have 73 missionaries, Pastor, and I put Faith Promise in every month, and I'm supporting 73 missionaries. I have a part in supporting that, and I'm glad to belong to a church that has a good missions program. And, and, and I know that, that some folks in the church are soul winners, and we're trying to support them in that. And so when a name comes on the list, we pray for a soul to be saved, and we know that Paul will go and tell them about the gospel. But it's more than just having a missional philosophy. We need to become mobilized. We need to become mobilized. A mission without action is only philosophy. Acts chapter 2 and verse 47 reminds us of this. Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. The mission of the church was spilling over, and people were going out and preaching. People were getting saved. People were going house to house, it says. And they were sharing the blessed gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, in Acts chapter 3, I told you we're going to look at these two chapters. I'm not going to read them. We're just going to look at them very quickly. In Acts chapter 3, you'll remember Peter and John raising the lame man. That's verses 1 through 10. In verse 11, we read about this uh, lame man which was healed. And Peter and John, all the people, they ran there. and They began to talk to the disciples. And they said, no, no, this isn't us. This is the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, the authorities heard about it, and they arrested Peter and John, and they stood before the council and spent a night in prison. The Bible says there wasn't anything the council could really do, and they didn't understand Christianity all that much yet. And so they rebuked them, they threatened them, told them not to preach in the name of Jesus anymore, and they sent them on their way. Peter and John went back to where the church was meeting, and in verse 23 it says this in Acts chapter 4, And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. When they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which hath made heaven and earth, and seen all that in them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ for of a truth against the holy child Jesus whom thou hast anointed. Both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. So their prayer is, listen, God, to their threatenings, but would you... Allow your servants to have boldness to preach your word. Verse 30. By stretching forth thy hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of the holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken. What do you mean God answered their prayer? When they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And what did they do? They spake the word of God with boldness. They began to preach Christ. That's not for the benefit of one another. They're already saved. They were preaching for others. Turn, if you will, to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. Let me say this. We read very little now. This church of Jerusalem comes on the scene in Acts chapter 2, but after Acts chapter 7, we don't read much about it anymore in Acts chapter 6, they will, they will put deacons in place. And of course, Stephen and Philip, the evangelist, are some of those deacons. And they did great works and wonders. Acts chapter 7, Stephen is on trial for some of his miracles and ends up being stoned. And in Acts chapter 8, it says, And Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad. That's why you don't hear much about the church anymore. Paul would collect an offering for the saints of Jerusalem, but they were, they were meeting and they were hiding. They weren't really a, a, a great mass of people anymore because they had scattered abroad, the Bible says in verse 1, throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hauling men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad, what did they do? Went everywhere preaching the word. Think, think about this. This church was missional. They had a great interior program, and they were reaching people and drawing them into the church, and people were being saved, but now they were mobilized. They were scattered abroad by persecution, but everywhere they went, they were preaching the gospel, and if you will read the, book, the rest of the book of Acts, you will find that they went to all portions of the world and preached Jesus Christ Acts chapter 11 one more verse we're almost done Acts chapter 11 verse 19 says now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phenis and Cyprus and Antioch preaching the word to none but only but unto the Jews only They haven't come out to preach to the Gentiles yet, but notice where they're going. To the far reaches of the world, Phenis, Cyprus, Antioch, all over, and they're preaching the word. What is our conclusion? That is the church. What we've seen in the book of Acts, that's what the church is, that's how it behaves, and that's what we are to be. Listen, we need to start somewhere. And we need to start by getting motivated. Have a walk with Jesus. You say, well, I'm burnt out. Something has failed in your walk with God. Nobody has let you down but you. The Lord Jesus Christ has not gone anywhere. You say, oh, but somebody has offended me. Great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. I'm not saying I don't get hurt from time to time and I get upset. I understand what you're saying. But I'm saying that if we are rooted in the Word of God, if we are truly dead in Christ, you can't offend a dead man. You say, I have no desire to serve. Something's wrong with your walk. If you don't have a desire to give just some time to the Christ who died for you, there's something wrong with your walk with God. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not. Listen. I'm not trying to use a bully pulpit tonight. I'm not trying to beat a drum and say we need more workers. I'm not trying to do that. I'm trying to identify. Listen, if you went to a doctor and said I've got this pain, you'd want him to tell you why. And I'm telling you tonight that if 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 we're if we're burnt out or we just don't have a desire to serve, there's something wrong with our walk. That's the root of the problem. That's why we're not motivated. Listen, churches will use all kinds of gimmicks, and they'll get up, and they'll look like a bunch of cheerleaders, and let's have a a drive to get more people in. Let's have a drive to get more workers. Let's have this and that, and let's get people all pumped up and excited. Listen, if you can't get excited about the Word of God and a Christ who died for you, there's nothing we can do to help you. That'll only be short-lived. You say, well, I come to church and I just don't enjoy worship. There's a problem with your walk. Something is out of line in your spirit. You need to get back to the very basics of God's word. Read and pray and beg God. Start there. Then we must become missional. Taking what we know and the burden that we have and put it into action. Being the church that Christ started, loving one another, encouraging one another, praying one another, helping one another, what a blessing it was to go and knock on the door and he says, oh, that's the second meal I got tonight. I said, well, just put this in the fridge for tomorrow. What a blessing to hear that people want to be the church. Then we must become mobilized, following the Great Commission and going. Taking what we know to be right in our mission and going to the ends of the earth. Let me ask you tonight, what stage are you at? Maybe you're just in those formative stages and you just say, I just need to get motivated again. Here's the thing, you can start over. Jonah went hundreds of miles in the wrong direction and God, the Bible says, the word of God came to Jonah a second time saying, arise and go up to Nineveh. You can start over tonight. You can be motivated. You can get excited about the things of God again. You go out and win somebody to Christ, and you can bring them into the church, and you can see them baptized, and you can disciple them, and you can help them grow. And What a great place to start. Just get motivated. Check on your walk. But then we need to be missional. Let me encourage you. This, let, me, let me give you a challenge this week. Here's our, our first Be the Church challenge. Call somebody this week you've never called before. Call somebody in the church, somebody maybe that's not feeling well. Maybe somebody that's just lonely. Somebody that's been tucked away because they're vulnerable to this, this COVID thing. Call them this week. Do that. Every member, if, if, can you imagine if every member of the church, if everybody comes to Bethel Baptist Church made one phone call this week to encourage somebody, well, wouldn't that be Something encourage somebody take a meal to somebody do what you can to be missional and then let's get mobilized listen it's it's it's, it's important that we pray and we give to world missions but we need some to go it's been a burn on my heart for a little while now when was the last missionary or church planner sent out of bethel baptist church You know, somebody said I heard a preacher say one time, "Don't tell me you have a Bible college. Tell me how many students you're sending to Bible college." I'm thinking that's right. Anybody can start a Bible college, but how are we influencing our young people to go and serve God? Who are we sending out? Have you given your children? That doesn't mean God will necessarily call them or use them in that way, but have you surrendered them? Let's be the church. What stage are you at, and are you willing to take the next step? Let's bow our heads, close our eyes right where we are. Brother Daniel's going to play. If God has spoke to your heart, would you pray right now? You know, I kinda, I've been in church services where I know how the human mind works a little bit. And when I said, why don't you call somebody this week, a lot of people that were listening, a name popped in your head. You thought of somebody. Because I know that's how I am. I'll be sitting there and they'll say, well, you know, what if you did this and something will just pop in my head right away. What if that was the Holy Spirit saying that's who you should call? Just give them a call. Just encourage them. See how they're doing. What's it going to take you? Five minutes of your day? Doesn't even cost long distance anymore. Encourage somebody. But would you pray and say, God, what stage am I at? Am I motivated? If I am, am I actually following up on it? Or is it just a philosophy that I have? We have a lot of people The philosophy. They're the ones that come and say, Pastor, we think the church ought to be doing this, and yet they're not doing anything. No, we need to be missional. We need to put it into action. We need to be doing something. And then we need to mobilize it to the ends of the earth. Would you pray?